Welcome to the Business Sensemaker Podcast, where we guide the listener through the basics, the art, and the science of business. I'm your host for this podcast, Dr. David Altunian, Associate Professor of Entrepreneurship and the MBA Program Director in the Bill Monday School of Business at St. Edwards University in Austin, Texas. Welcome to episode five. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the general concepts around business and a phrase I like to call the economics of business. It's important to understand how business operates from an economic standpoint. What's in it for you as a business person? What's in it for the customer? So economic terms really work well for doing this. In economics, there's a concept called surplus. You hear surplus talked about all the time. For example, if you get a paycheck of $100 and you only spend $80 in your bills, you have a surplus of $20. On the other hand, uh, if you get a paycheck of $100 and you spend $120, you actually have a deficit or a negative surplus. And so understanding surplus is an important concept because when we talk about business, the goal is to create positive surpluses um, for both the business and the customer. And the more that you can create a positive surplus or you know, positive benefits, the more valuable uh, the business is. And so I wanna start by talking about the first general principle of how um, businesses think about the economics. Um, at the highest level, you have a product or a service that you offer and you charge a price for it. To provide that product or service, there are inherent costs. There are product costs, such as the materials to make the item. There are um, fixed costs, the cost for the facilities where you produce them, the equipment, the payroll of the people, and then there are variable costs. That is the money you may spend on running advertising um, or uh, creating materials to give to customers. Um, the product cost is necessary because you have to have that cost to actually produce the product. The fixed cost is something that is required whether you sell product or not because you have to pay people, you have to pay for the space. And the variable cost is the most flexible cost you have because you can increase spending or decrease spending as necessary. So you have the pricing and you have costs. So the way you need to think about this from the business benefit side of this is the price minus costs equals profit. And profit is the surplus between the two. So if I price a, uh, a, uh, a product for $100 and all of my costs together are $80. So my product cost, my fixed cost for that one product and the variable costs I use for that one product equals $80, then I have a profit of $20 or a 20% profit. That is a surplus. If it costs me $95 in cost to produce that product and deliver it to the customer, and I can only charge $100, I have a $5 surplus or a $5 profit or 5%. So if you understand how that works, you can quickly realize that the more that you can actually lower costs and increase price, the more surplus you get, the more valuable 
that business becomes because you're generating a lot of cash. That's the business side of the equation. In the customer side, it works very similar, but it's a little bit flipped. A customer has a perception of the need or want for a product they're gonna buy. They have an expectation. And for that expectation, they're willing to pay a price. If the price is lower than they expected to pay for that benefit, you have a surplus of customer satisfaction. So you have a happy customer. If the surplus is, or if the price is higher than the benefit they perceive, then what you have is you have a negative customer experience. I'll give you my favorite way to, uh, to show this or to, to demonstrate this. First of all, many people have Apple notebooks. And if you know anything about Apple customers, Apple customers are passionate about their MacBooks. But if you look at the MacBook from a physical product standpoint, the materials that go into the product are not much different than a Windows-based notebook, a notebook bought by many of the, or may, uh, offered by many of the big brands that sell Windows-based notebooks. Almost exactly the same fixed product costs uh, in terms of uh, what's in the box. Yet you will see an entry-level uh, MacBook starting at $1,000 or higher. In most cases, they're around $1,300 to $1,400. On the other hand, you can get a Windows notebook with very similar parts and features for anywhere from $500 to $800. So that's a pretty big gapping uh, in uh, pricing for customers. And you would think that based on that difference, that roughly $500 difference, four to 500 between a physically similar MacBook and a physically similar Windows notebook, that the customers that buy Mac would have lower customer satisfaction. But in reality, they don't. Customer satisfaction and customer loyalty for Apple is incredibly high. And why? If you talk to those customers, they will tell you that the things that they need and the benefits they expect, the MacBook delivers exceptionally well. Now, they don't have a physical Windows machine necessarily next to them to know the difference. It's not like the Apple MacBook is performing better than the Windows machine. It's that the benefits that they were sold on and the value of having Macintosh or a MacBook was higher than what they needed to pay. And so their expectations were met and exceeded. And because of that, Apple can charge a higher price. And we call that surplus customer satisfaction. And you'll see that this really plays out because there are cases where I, I like to use the example of a restaurant. If you go to a restaurant and you have a $20 dinner, but the food is phenomenal, you know, customer satisfaction is really high. The, you know, give the restaurant a good Yelp review, you tell your friends about it, all of that. High customer satisfaction. You know, geez, for this price, I would have expected to pay a lot more. However, if you go to that same restaurant, you pay $20 and your expectation was an incredible meal or a $20 meal. And what you get is, you know, something that's not fresh, doesn't taste great, or maybe the portions aren't good enough. Um, the satisfaction is very low. There is no surplus. It's actually a deficit. And so 
when we talk about this economics of business, if you think about it, what we're trying to do is create two things. We're trying to create a surplus of customer satisfaction. We want to meet and exceed customer expectations. And if we do that, you can charge a higher price. Now, the higher the price is, obviously the higher the expectations are gonna be. On the business side, the more that you can deliver that expectation at a lower price, the more profit you get as a business and the more surplus you have. And you probably say, well, what does this matter to me? Well, it plays a big role because so much of what we do and when we uh, uh, engage with customers is around setting customer expectations appropriately, messaging what the product can do, messaging the value of the product. And so much of what we do, even in the back end of the business, is about delivering the product at the lowest cost possible while maintaining that excellent um, customer satisfaction. And I told you in the beginning, there are three areas of costs that you can control. The more that you can control those costs, the more effect it has on price. You got two choices. You can either keep the price the same if you can lower cost. And in that case, you get more surplus. Or you can lower price if you need to, to uh, maintain a competitive edge while still generating a positive profit surplus. Or if you do a really good job of messaging and delivering against customer expectations, you can actually increase the price while you lower the costs. And if you think about that, if you can do that effectively, you are increasing the profit, the surplus for the organization, while you also are maintaining or increasing customer satisfaction, the surplus that the customer wants. So much of what we do in business affects both customer expectations and the cost to deliver that product experience that people don't think about. It could be simple things from the types of suppliers we use for our core materials or uh, the way we package up our product and deliver it, how we deliver our product, um, how we ship a product, how we deliver a service. The more that we can actually control costs in a way that increases profit while also focusing on customer satisfaction, and meeting customer, meeting and exceeding customer expectations. What I love is companies that say, we focus on delighting our customers. Well, delightful, you know, delighted customers will pay a lot of money, which by the way, is delightful for the business because usually when that happens, profit goes up. The other thing I'll say is there's a lot of things that happen in marketing that people don't understand directly affect this, uh, this uh, uh, economic model and actually, I have a name for this model and I call it the value equation. You are trying to create value for the customer by delivering the product they expect at a reasonable price while you create value for the corporation by delivering the highest amount of profit or surplus possible. That's two sides of the equation. The customer gets, uh, uh, gets the product that meets or exceeds or delights them for a price that they're comfortable with and the company gets a, a product price competitively in the marketplace that delivers a lot of surplus or profit. That is the balance we're trying to get to. So when we talk about marketing, think about what drives up marketing costs. 
the materials that you have to publish, the advertising, the more specific you are about describing what the benefit and the value is to the customer, the more that you can set that expectation and then meet or exceed it, the better. But just running advertising costs money. Money is a cost. When you can delight a customer to the point that they will actually give you a positive review or do what we call word of mouth advertising about your product, every customer you get in that is driven by a recommendation or a referral is a cost reducer. You're not paying for that customer. The dollars you spent to get to that first customer that came in and was delighted, that dollar is leveraged because as they tell friends and they start purchasing products, you're getting the benefit of that first advertising and that first dollar sold. What does that mean? It means it lowers your cost. Lowers your cost, you're selling uh, more products at the price you would set, uh, means you have more profit at the back end. That's the way it goes. And by the way, the other thing that happens is if a friend tells you how great the product is, it's really hard for people to go against their friends. So I'm not saying it's impossible because there are people that are contrarians, but you know, you'll, you'll get the benefit of the doubt as opposed to if I advertise a product and I encourage somebody to go to my restaurant, for example, and the meal isn't great, they're going to say, this place is terrible. I, you know, I'm never coming back here. But if a friend refers them to the restaurant and they have a bad meal, their first response is likely to be, well, maybe I had a bad day. I'm going to try again. This word of mouth marketing is important in two sides. One, it helps with customer expectations. The other one is it reduces your variable costs. So we really think about this quite a bit. Um, it's important to think about how the value equation works um, in, in all of the things you do. You know, whether you are a marketing person and trying to figure out the messaging around the product, the competitive analysis, think about competitive analysis. Just finding where your product um, meets the competitor's product or your service meets the competitor's service is interesting but that isn't necessarily the way a customer looks at it alone. Yes, the feature by feature may be the same, but maybe there's other inherent things that those customers care about. And if so, that should be in your list of things that are in the customer expectations or benefits. I'll go back to my example of a MacBook from Apple or a Windows-based machine. If you just do a parts breakdown of the materials in a notebook, you will actually find there's not that great of a difference. And if that's all you use and you price to that, let's say you decided, well, um, a MacBook is starting at 1300 for these uh, this configuration. I'm going to make mine 1295 because I'm using a different operating system. If you were charging 1295 for a Windows machine that had the same configuration, you probably aren't going to get a high level of customer satisfaction because number one, a lot of the competitors are probably in the eight or $900 level. Second of all, you can't deliver those other benefits that Apple does that you won't get unless you actually query the customer and test and compare. So really understanding what the customer benefits and expectations are is critical to being able to create messaging to the customers uh, directing development of what customer expectations are, setting pricing. All of these things are all a part of this value equation.
And again, I have a very, I will uh, post on the website uh, a link to a very simple drawing of the value equation, which just spells out in a graphical format what I just talked about here. Um, literally, it is about creating value for the customer while capturing value for the organization. And the organization side is the price that you can charge a customer minus the cost to deliver the, uh, the product to the customer or service equals a surplus, which is called profit. And the customer side, the price that you're able to charge a customer minus the expected value or benefit equals a surplus or a deficit that we call customer satisfaction. If you notice, price is the central point between two of those two points. Price sits in the middle. The customer expects to pay a price for uh, the expected benefit or value, and you have to charge a price to be competitive in the marketplace while also generating a surplus for the corporation. And this is the bottom line behind every business. I don't care whether it is um, uh, a petroleum business, a service agency, a retail outlet, a tech company, everything works the same. Even an academic environment that I come from, it's still a business. It may not be generating surplus profit because it's a for-profit that runs without trying to generate a lot of surplus. But when you do generate a surplus, that money allows the universities to invest more in the infrastructure of the university, add more programs and expand. So every business uses this value equation in some way. It is the central thesis of business, creating customer delight, high customer satisfaction, while creating a lot of profit, generating profit for the organization. Those are the two major deliverables that every business or organization needs. So I hope that this helps. And as we go through, I will be referring to the value equation time and again as we go into the different um, functional areas and disciplines. And I look forward to seeing you sometime again soon here on the Business Sensemaker podcast. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Sensemaker podcast. More information about this episode or the podcast series is available at www.businesssensemaker.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever audio streaming site that you are listening to this on. It really helps us. Until next time, take care.